This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh, no. Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm sick with this, I'm sick with this Since you were just a fun, large judgment My own sweet down, didn't teach what I found I recognize you for this anymore I don't wanna be defeated, I don't wanna be defeated I don't wanna be defeated, I don't wanna be defeated Hello there, welcome to another episode of the podcast Lead Singer Syndrome Whether it's your first time checking out the show Welcome. Maybe you've listened to all 100 and almost 50 episodes of the show. Also, welcome. I, I feel great right now. I feel great. I just landed in Germany, flew over the pond to do an awesome, awesome tour with my band Silverstein. We are coming over to do a co-headlining tour with our friends in Anti-Flag. Friends, just a band that I love and this is just so, I'm so excited, you know, I think, you know, we've been off the road for a couple months and I've been doing a lot of, you know, personal things and uh, I got a house, which is, you know, exciting and been, been working on that. But of course, you know, at my core, I'm a musician. I'm a rocker. I was born to rock. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but seriously, it does feel good to be back on the road with a band that I remember seeing. I remember seeing Anti-Flag when I was in high school and I just remember them being so intense and, and making me feel something, you know, and, and being this kind of angsty teenager and feeling this 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 energy that I've never felt before when I listen to a punk rock band. So it's amazing. It's come full circle. And I always wonder, how old was Chris number two at that show? He must have only been, he's only a year or two older than me. So it's kind of crazy to think about that. But I look forward to this tour. If you're in Europe, where are we playing? Germany, Austria, Belgium, Netherlands. Uh, there's also like some cool festivals we're doing with some really cool bands jumping on. There's one with Nolan Colin in a few days. Less than Jake's playing a couple shows. Uh, Sam I Am. We're playing with Sam I Am, if you can believe it. So definitely if you're in Europe, check out the dates. They are online. Go to SilversteinMusic.com. Google it. You'll find the shows. You'll find the tickets. I can't wait to see you. Hey, this week's episode, it's a good one. I talked to a band. They're a newer band, but they just put out a really, really great album that a lot of people are calling a game changer. The band is Boston Manor. The guy is Henry Cox, the lead singer. Thank you to Henry for taking the time on a busy tour day to, t- to chat with me. It was wonderful speaking with him. 
and it's a great episode. Very honest, very open, and uh, definitely a band I'm sure you know, but if you don't, check them out. Before we get into that, a couple things I want to remind you of. You know, the, the, the business of the show. The business being, if you want to email me, if you want to get in touch, it's real easy. I read all my email. It is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. You can literally just say, hey, Shane, you're doing a great job. Or maybe your intros sort of suck. You need to improve on those. Uh, maybe you have suggestions for upcoming guests of the show. Whatever you're feeling, uh, yeah, hit me up on email, uh, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com again. Or I'm on social media at Shane Told. And the show is at Lead Singer Sin, S Y N, on Twitter and at Lead Singer Syndrome on Instagram. So, yes, do all of those things, all those wonderful things. And um, I know I talked about the Europeans and some stuff I'm doing here where I currently am standing on the earth. But in November and December, Silverstein will be doing an extensive U.S. tour. Some couple Canadian dates peppered in for good measure. Uh, and that is a tour we are playing our entire first record when Broken is easily fixed from start to finish. Also with the second greatest hit set. Yep, it's going to be a long show. It's going to be a good one. We're bringing out Hawthorne Heights and As Cities Burn as well as a newer band called The Capstan to play with us. And uh, yeah, tickets are flying off the shelves. Go get them now. A lot of the VIPs and stuff are sold out. A couple of the shows are sold out. Toronto just sold out, actually. But we added a second Toronto show at my favorite venue in Toronto, the Opera House. So if you're in Toronto, get tickets now. If you're in anywhere, if you're anywhere, get tickets now. They are flying off the shelf. If you want to help this show, we do have the All Access Club. Basically, it's more content. It's free stuff. It's not a lot of money per month, and it is what helps this show keep going and keep being free. The show will always be free, but the show does rely on people in the All Access Club, and you know who you are, and I know who you are, for the love, for the passion, and for a couple bucks every month just to keep this thing going. So I'll give you the link. It is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. As low as $6 a month gets you in. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of really nice perks you can get on there, too, If, especially if one episode a week isn't enough for you, because for some people it's not. Some people, yeah, they've gone back, they've listened to all the episodes, and they're like, damn, I need more. Plus, I'm doing a good thing by supporting something that I really like. So, I love it. Check it out again. Link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. All right, well, hey, uh... Let's just go. Let's go into the conversation I had with a great new band and one you definitely need to check out. Here's my chat with Henry Cox of Boston Manor. I'll never say sorry, cause I'll never be free. You float like a butterfly, you stay like a bee. You're everywhere I go, you're always watching me. Hey, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Dude, loud and clear. How are you, man? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Yeah, really good. Uh, is it too echoey in here? Is it all right? No, it's fine. Whatever. It's free content. What, you know, what, what do you want? Right? Yeah, exactly. It can't, yeah. Be, it can't be perfect. <laughs> By the way, I do appreciate you doing this in the middle of a tour. 
Oh, no worries, man. No worries. I'm I know. really, really happy we got to do it. Yeah, me too. But I mean, it's like it's like six o'clock. You guys are gearing up for a show. Is it Glasgow tonight? It is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're not until like nine, so. Cool. No, I mean, you know, everybody's different. I'm like the kind of guy that, that like shows up to a show like 15 minutes before I have to be on stage, like still wearing like whatever clothes I wore that day, like half drunk from a bar. (laughs) Oh yeah, cool. Let's, let's play other people. No, but other seriously, that's like, I'm just like that. Other people are, they need to be there like hours early. They need to get like mentally prepared. They need to warm up their voice. Which, which person, which kind of person are you? Well, what's funny is I think I am the latter, but when I do the former, I'm way better. Like when I'm when I'm sitting there, just kind of like right, you know, just playing water and stretch and you know all this kind of shit. I'm like uh, a bit more kind of in my head about things, maybe. Yeah. And then I've yeah. definitely had a bunch of times where it's like like festivals, exactly. You know, like you get woken up in the bus and you're like, oh, you're on in like 45, 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, oh. better get going. Uh, and then sometimes because right. I'm not thinking about it, like that's when I play the best. It's true. It's true. And I find that you know, speaking about festivals, it's almost the the times when let's say you got a festival it's like in germany or something i know you guys have done you did a lot of stuff that summer this this summer exactly sorry. yeah yeah Which, and like so let's say you're gonna play at like 6 30 and you're there and it's like 11 in the morning and you're like what the hell am i gonna do for seven and a half hours yeah and then and then you're just waiting and the anticipation like goes on and on and on and i'm totally guilty of of being you know getting in my own head totally that totally can happen as a singer it's the worst thing for you as well. I've found like the number one thing that will affect how well you perform is just if you're an- anxious about it, cause you tense up all your, all your throat muscles, you kind of, and then, and then you just sound like shit. Whereas if you don't really give a fuck, it's at least for me, I can only speak for myself. Yeah, but. No, yeah, totally. No, the phone cut out just ever so slightly, but I, de- I definitely heard the gist. The people heard the gist and, <laughs> and yeah, and you're, and you're right. And, and it's interesting too because as a singer, I feel like a big percentage of what you do is mental. And of course, there's a physical nature of it. Like, let's say you didn't get a lot of sleep last night, or you didn't drink that much water, or you're a little dehydrated, or your voice is like a little shot just from, you know, wear and tear. Yeah. I think that obviously that's important, but I think more than half is just your mental state. So. Uh, yeah, I would 100% agree. And it took me um, a long time to learn that, actually. And I wish I'd learned it yeah. sooner. Because I spent a lot of the early part of our career just kind of like, I was super cautious and I wouldn't eat any alcohol or anything. And I'm, I'm still not a huge drinker. Uh, but yeah. like, you know, uh, once I started kind of uh, just relaxing and having fun, a lot of those kind of worries went away. And um, I still, you know, I still can't be stupid, but uh, I have to like take care of myself. <laughs> but um, but yeah. Yeah, once I started just kind of just chilling out, uh, it came came way easier. Because I think um, as soon as you start to get kind of anxious and your muscles tense up slightly, it's just it's game over, man, for, for me at yeah. least. Yeah, no, totally. Um, well, I mean, let's talk about a couple of days ago, London, yeah. biggest headline show to date. You're probably still riding the high from that a little bit. It was crazy, mate, honestly. Like, um, yeah. it definitely one for the books. I won't forget that one in a hurry. It was... Uh, it was crazy, you know, because we, um, we were like kind of got, you know, you get the tour route in through or whatever. And we were like, electric ballroom, really? That's a bit big, that. Like, yeah, it's like 1,500 cap, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think they, they say it's that, but I think, it, I don't know, it might be slightly less, but around that, yeah. Um, and it was, it was fucking sick. Like, uh, it didn't sell out, but it like packed. Um, 
the the crowd was amazing. It was uh, it was just a wicked night to be honest. And a bunch of our friends got to be there, so we got to see it and stuff, which was cool. And, yeah. uh, and we end we end this tour in Manchester, which is kind of it was where we started playing gigs because there's no venues in our hometown. So it, we kind yeah. of it's almost it's almost like a hometown show as far as that goes. Uh, of course, yeah. Of um, course. And that's like a, a venue that we, we we love and we've always seen like like loads of big bands play there and stuff. So uh, we're really excited for that one as well. Totally. No, that's, that's always a cool thing when you like for me and I'm from Toronto and uh, the, the venue here uh, that I love is the opera house. And that's oh, true. I'm sure you guys have been there before. And, and I mean, I don't know if it's like a great venue or whatever, but for me, it's my favorite because I saw all my favorite bands there as a kid. And I remember totally. the first time I got to play on that stage and how much that meant to me. And that's something I think that because at, at, at our core, we're all music fans. And that's oh, why yeah. we do this. Exactly. So that that is something that like never never goes away. So um, which venue is that in Manchester? Uh, I probably because uh, you know in the academy venues. Yeah. Venues. I guess like the, the equivalent of like the House of Blues or something. But um, totally. the the uh, the academy. The, there's like a bunch of them. Academy one, two, three, and I think four in Manchester. But Academy yeah. one is like I guess the biggest one. And I think it's it's a two and a half. In my head, because I was like really small when I started going there, it seems like a fucking arena. Just because I would have no, been tiny in these in the crowds, but uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's probably about two and a half thousand cap. But uh, yeah, all the kind of like I, I thought the bands that I went to go see there were literally like the biggest bands on the planet, and um, I've seen like yeah. a million bands there. So I think we still haven't uh, been lucky enough to play that menu yet, but um, I'm sure we'll get to at least support that stage at some point. And uh, that was yeah, yeah. It's, it's not even like Manchester or anything. It's just like you say, it has kind of a, a, a sort of emotional connection, doesn't it? Absolutely. No, I love that. I love that place. <laughs> I love that street, man. I love, you play in Manchester and you go to the Big Hands Bar. And, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like it's like a it's whole a, thing. It's a ritual, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's that little diner down the street beside the, beside the Greggs. I don't oh. know. I always go there. <laughs> and then the thing you got to do when you're in Manchester is you got to hit the Curry Mile. Oh, this guy knows. This guy knows. Yeah, oh, you, you, oh, I bet you that's do. What's See, up. I'm that's you right. See, I'm saying it's sick. Like, not oh, a lot of people oh, oh. Hit, the, hit the Curry Mile up, and it's, oh, it's the spot. Oh, come on, dude. Yeah. Now, for people that don't know about the Curry Mile, um, basically, well, it's in Manchester, and it's like, I guess it's, I don't know if it's literally a mile, but it feels like it. And yeah. there's got to be like a hundred Indian food restaurants like in a row on one street. Yeah, it's uh, so it's in an area. Um, I, I live in Manchester now, but I, I also um, oh, cool. I've, I've just moved like in the last couple of weeks. But I uh, I went to university there before I moved home and stuff. Uh, just past the Curry Mile, so I, I get a bus down to university every day through there. But it's like this whole area <laughs> of uh, South Manchester called Rush Home, which is I guess I want to say that forties like or fifties when there was a, a big wave of um, uh, Asian immigrants coming in from like Pakistan and India and all that. Kind of places um you know they kind of formed a big community in this part of manchester and, and it's and obviously business all kind of up and thrived and then this, this sort of uh, i think I, I could be wrong i think they like national dish balti which is a curry um that's our dish. and i think it was invented birmingham with like the old on that strip i think I, sorry man it was i'm, I'm losing you a little bit can you hear me? Okay, oh, I'm losing you a little bit. It's just the I think the Wi-Fi is a little spotty there at uh, in Glasgow. I'm gonna I'm, I'm on my uh, my 4G, so I'm gonna connect to the Wi-Fi now and see how we get on. But I'll keep. Yeah, talking. let's see. Let's see if that's a little better. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm we're gonna just gonna okay. keep this rolling. I want people to know the pitfalls of what I do here. 
But uh, um, yeah, it's, it's real. I could hear I could hear the gist of what you were saying. I just <clears throat> for a second it was just getting a little jumbled. Um, but but you said there was some dish invented. It was like a, or something. Um, nas- yeah, it's on national. The country's national dish is a curry. Ah, I think they invented ah, it. Um, right, let me see if this Wi-Fi works. No, Sorry, carry on. Oh no, you're fine. No, I, I love like when you walk down that street and it's just like people standing outside their restaurants, like trying to convince you to come in to their to their food. You know, like we have the best non bread. Like they're they're very like like uh, they're very excited about Indian food, and I yeah, like yeah. always always go when I'm in Manchester, and that that like plays back to the first well, thing sick. we spoke about. The first thing we spoke about how like. I'm like, oh, what? Let's uh, let's go in. Just whatever. I'll be back at the show 15 minutes before. Get on stage. And sometimes I'm like, oh, damn, dude, I had like way, way too many papadoms or something, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, mate. You, you can't be eating, you can't be eating curry and then going straight on stage. That's a nightmare. Way <laughs> oh, it's 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 happened to me in Manchester. <laughs> That's for sure, man. Uh, dude. Well, uh, you talked a little bit about your hometown of Blackpool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one thing that I read that I thought was was kind of cool and this is maybe a good segue into into talking about your new record um is is how you said it used to be called the jewel of the north and it was like this little mini like las vegas tourist you know kind of town yeah you know for your parents generation and for your generation growing up it was a shithole (laughs) and still is yeah (laughs) i mean yeah you know and and exactly still is and um how that played into the new record and I, I mean, before we get to the new record and all that, talk to me about your upbringing a little bit in Blackpool and uh, what it was like for you, you know, uh, being a kid and, and how you got into music and stuff. Yeah, well, um, I mean, uh, I moved, I wasn't actually born in Blackpool. Um, I, I moved there when I was like two or three years old or something. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very weird place because like you said, it was in, in the, from I think from the 40s. Uh, maybe even from Victorian times up until like um, the, I guess the the eighties, it was like the tourist, the, the kind of vacation capital of the of the whole of, right. the, of, the, of the UK really. Um, and then cheap flights to like Spain became available, um, and so people were like, "Well, why would I sit on a beach in the rainy north of England when I could go to Spain or Italy or wherever else?" So people started leaving, and then the town sort of declined from that. But it's still yeah. got this crazy kind of. Uh, tacky like atlantic city vibe about it you know um right i've never i don't know if i've ever been there but i almost picture if you've ever been to niagara falls yeah kind, that's, kind of that's yeah. that's you know very close to where i grew up yeah yeah because they're like stuck in between yeah i've read i've read an article about that but yeah it's, it's kind of it's kind of a it's like that mixed with like coney island in the winter if you right, can, if right. you can picture that, totally, totally yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it was, it was okay. I like, I uh, was fortunate enough to grow up in like um, a suburb of Blackpool that wasn't wasn't too bad. Um, it's since declined from where it was when I was like a kid. But my upbringing was great. Um, okay, so that's why your parents moved. Your parents moved to the suburbs there because you know the the question is. <clears throat> Obviously, most people that are there probably are there because their family's there and they've been there for generations. Where yeah. did your family move from, and why did they choose an area like that that was, you know, declining? Well, my mum was from uh, that area anyway. My dad was actually from uh, Birmingham, um, okay. and uh, they. I was born in, like in like Birmingham area, and then we moved. We moved down there, and my, so my family's always kind of been from the suburbs. So um, yeah, um, but yeah. Um, it's like you know. 20 minutes from the center of Blackpool, but it's just uh, like the neighborhood I live in isn't, isn't too rough. Although it has since 
kind of taken a bit of a turn, unfortunately. My parents have actually uh, just put their house up for sale uh, this week, actually. So they're actually going to be leaving Blackpool for the first time in my whole life, which is kind of really oh, weird. Yeah. That's totally weird. Where yeah. are they going? I don't know. I think North, like Northup County somewhere, somewhere a little bit more rural. Um, they've like just retired. So I think they're like yeah. kind of done with it all. And, and like I say, the area is kind of going really shitty. So I think they're like, let's get out of here sort of thing. Yeah, no, that's always tough, you know, like, I'm lucky that my parents still live in the same house that uh, I grew up in. Oh, that's so, so cool. There's a lot of familiar, there's a lot of familiarity, you know, I just like go back and like, honestly, I have, I'll just go in my basement corner where, and I have the coolest parents in the world. I know my mom listens to all my podcasts, so hi mom, uh, <laughs> but, she, but, but I, you know, I have this basement and it's like this whole corner of the basement is just literally my shit oh, that's, that's been sick. accumulating for like not even kidding like 30 years so I'll just go through and and um and you know I'll find something like I'll, I found an old M box which is like a pro tools rig from like 2002 no you know way. Like, so things cool. like that you know like I'll just find in my basement that I forgot about I would um, love that so I would you know my parents still live there and which is great especially because <clears> I grew <throat> up there and I still have some friends that live there so I it would be a little devastating for me if my parents moved and I would be like, like if they move far away, like I, where I can't go back and visit and that house is gone. Like it's sort of a, is there any thing, are you going through anything like that feeling like with your parents? I, d- I don't know because, in, um, you know, imminent move. A lot of my friends have all left. Uh, I only have a couple of friends uh-huh, yeah. apart from, apart from yeah. the band. I only have a couple of friends who still live there. Um, and I, I don't know, I thought I would do. My sister's kind of taking it a little bit harder. She, um, she's a bit yeah. younger. She's like five years younger than me. Um, and that's like, you know, she's always lived there kind of thing her whole life. And um, yeah. yeah, she's she's definitely finding it tough. But I am a little bit, but I, I know how much my parents are excited to have this like kind of little place in the country that they've talked about like pretty much my whole life. So I'm really stoked for them to, to kind of finally have retired and be able to do what they want to do. Um, and and, awesome. and I'm, I'm kind of excited to start a, kind of a bit of a new and uh, living in the city in Manchester will be cool. So um, Very cool, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it really. But although it will so, be kind of sad when we close the door for the final time, I'm sure. I know. I'm sure it will be. Um, so, yeah. So, so talk to me about your childhood. And you said you have a great childhood, great upbringing with your parents. You said you have one sister. Uh, how, how was it, like, how was music, you know, viewed in the household? Are your parents musical, your sister? Uh, how, how did you kind of get into this whole thing? I always joke, um, my parents have a, such a terrible taste in music, both of them. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure they'll listen to this and I'm sure they'll... Um, lambast me for it. but yeah they uh, music was oh, never hello to the hello to the cox <laughs> uh music was never really in, in my like it wasn't a huge part of my like childhood per se um but i did like a lot of acting and stuff uh like um in theater and you know youth theater and all that kind of stuff when i was a kid uh-huh yeah so i guess you know it was in like choirs and musical theater and all that kind of stuff when i was when i was little uh and then when i was when i was about i don't know i started listening to hip-hop when i was like eight or nine and then i got really into hip-hop um, and just kind of went, it was obviously pre computers and stuff. So just whatever CDs me and my friends could share or like, I'd go and try and buy them and then, but they'd be all be like parental advisory. So like the dude, the dude <laughs> yeah. at the counter Woolworths as it was then wouldn't let you would, would like be like, how old are you? I'd be like 15 and be like, nah, fuck off. And then, uh, my, really? um, yeah, wow. I, didn't, my, I like never, I, I don't remember that ever being a thing. Like Having it, not being able to buy a record because of the, the sticker on it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't what think the age that was ever an actual law, though, was it? I don't know. I, I distinctly remember I tried to buy um, the uh, Outcast double album. Um, Speaker yeah. Box Below wasn't allowed to buy that. I tried to buy a Wu Tang Clan album. 
um, the dude at the counter wouldn't let me have that. Um, and then, funnily enough, uh, my cousin bought me a Method Man album. Um, my mum saw it, heard some of the lyrics, and confiscated it. And literally a couple of, a couple of months ago, or like a year or something ago, she was like, I just found this in my cupboard. Do you want it? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, but when I got, got to about, uh, I probably, uh, you know, 11, 12, I guess, uh, the start of uh, high school is, is in the UK. Um, my cousins started kind of showing me. I have older cousins who are, uh, between, I think, about five and ten years older than me, maybe. Um, and they started showing me, like, um, Slipknot, and uh, it was, like, right in the height of kind of like the new metal era. Right? Well, towards the end yeah. of the new metal era, I would say, you know, yeah. um, early 2000s shit, uh, you know, Corn um, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Linkin Park was a bit... Linkin Park was the first, like, rock CD I ever bought, I think. Um, well, it makes sense because Linkin Park had some has some rap in it, right? So yeah, it's only a yeah. natural transition for for you know somebody that's listened to rap to get into into rock or probably vice versa too. You know? That's true. I never really thought about that to be honest, but yeah, it makes total sense. Um, it was hybrid, hybrid Theory had just come out, and I was like, yeah, this is sick. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so uh, I kind of got into it through it there, and then it wasn't until I got to be about fourteen or fifteen, um, and I had a few friends. We played like guitars and stuff and I used to play the drums and we would just practice in school and like shitty covers bands and stuff and just messing around uh, and then I was in sorry the band. phone cut out for a second did you say you play, were a drummer yeah sorry man oh, I'm, cool. I'm, I'm on the wi-fi but it's so, still crap no 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 it's, it's been it's been a lot better now um, okay. it's been a lot better better now just just that one word I didn't right. hear so did you so what did your parents let you get a drum kit or how you know how did that they compromise. They compromise with an electric drum kit. <laughs> ah, but, um, okay, but, okay. Uh, we, I had drum lessons and stuff, uh, and there was like, there's actually some pretty good facilities in my high school. Well, actually, it wasn't that good thinking about it, but uh, it was like a little drum room, and I used to every lunchtime just used to just beat the shit out of drums for for an hour, and then uh, cool. came back to class, and then uh, so yeah, I would just played with my friends in kind of covers bands, uh, just covering like I don't know, Blink One Eighty Two, and anything from that to like. Just trivium or trying to play trivium anyway. Matt is a friend of the show. He, uh, uh, you got to keep, if you want to be as good as Matt, you got to keep practicing. I That's never the... was and never will be. But, uh, <laughs> we, 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 we had a good go anyway. Um, yeah. And then I got my first, I don't want to say, I don't know, proper band, but band I actually played shows with was with a bunch of friends uh, that I met from outside of school. And we kind of played, like, used to get into our little cars when we were like 17 and play kind of slightly outside of Blackpool. We played some very terrible shows in Blackpool. Uh, there was, there was never any venues. So we had to like, yeah. um, I mean, it's the age old story, isn't it? But we had to like play in pizza shops and, you know, churches <laughs> and scout huts and all kinds of shit. And then it was, it was one of those, I was, I bet you remember it was like, Oh, you're in a band. You can play the show. Cool. So it'd be like anything from, you know, scar to like punk yeah. to metal to everything. It was kind of cool. I love um, that, yeah. Yeah, mixed as, mixed as anything. So we used to uh, just kind of do that, and then the shows would get real rowdy, be like a moshing and stuff and craziness, and um, and then obviously the owner just wouldn't know anything about that. So they'd freak out, and then they'd never let us. The police used to get called sometimes, and they'd never let us play again. <laughs> so we had to each show. Yeah, each show. New venue every show, yeah. Yeah, new, new place each show. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was that. And then... Um, I, I played with those guys for like a year or so. I started singing then. So I went on. To what was the name? Uh, what was the name of that uh, band? Uh, it was called Until Our Time. It was a um, Until Our Time. It was a Misery Signals lyric. Oh, okay. Um, we took, uh, but yeah, we were kind of like a sort of weird 
post-hardcore, but we, we had two singers though. It was that time when everybody had two ah. singers. Do you remember that? So were you were the clean man? Uh, yeah, more, more or less. Yeah, I did a little bit of the screamy stuff. Mr. Clean. Yeah, there you go. You yeah. had a clean and a screamer, right? That was the that was the vibe. Yeah, that yeah yeah. Well, it's still. I mean, that was a thing. That was a thing before, and I, and people always said to me, "Oh, I was the first guy to do <laughs> both." Which, if you listen to last week's episode with Nathan from Westside's Fire, he was doing it in like the late nineties. Um, but yeah, that, then all of a sudden it was like you got to have two guys. You got to have two. That's so One crazy. I, I can't imagine um, at that time kind of because uh, now you know that you know there's a technique to screaming and that you can also sing and it's you know there's voice coaches that can teach you that shit but i guess for you back then guess, that would have yeah. been kind of like untrodden ground right like oh i i know I, I no, I, I, no I, I never took any lessons or anything until you know like we were on our second album and i was like maybe i can you know i got some money now maybe i can afford this and and like learn something and get better, yeah. but no, no, I never really learned anything from any. You were kind of just um, just making up. Just as you trial and error, man. Yeah, yeah, just trial and error. Respect. I uh, but, we played a show with Boys Let's Fire. Actually, I met I met uh, those guys for the first time uh, this summer in uh, Europe. I think it was that same week I I uh, bumped into you in uh, in Germany. We did like one of their they, they did like a one off headliner yeah. in in Cologne, and we opened for them. They were really nice. Totally. People. They're really, they're the best. They're some of our best friends and it's cool. You know, they're like older guys. They're even older than we are. And, but we never knew them. Like, you know, it's not like we've known them from back in the day. We just met them like three years ago. No way. That's so weird. And, they, and yeah. And we're just, and we just became like amazing friends, like right off the bat. That's awesome. They're from like, what, yeah. like Delaware, Maryland, somewhere like that? Yeah. They're from, yeah. They're from Delaware, like just outside Philadelphia. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. No, nice people. Um, yeah. Because we obviously, um, we met, well, I say we, we kind of met then because I don't think, we were both on Warp Tour, but I don't think I ever really uh, really bumped into you guys much on, on the Warp Tour that summer. Not really. I saw you guys, I saw you guys kicking around and we run, we actually run in some of the same circles. Like I, I have this in, in my list of questions here, you know, talking about um, the strength of your live show and how I think it's really played into, you know, the size of your band now. Oh, and we're you, jumping around so much here. But I remember the reason I was thinking about this was because I remember you guys played a show in Toronto and I wasn't around for it. I was on tour or something, but everybody was talking about it. Like oh, all my friends great. in Toronto. And I'm not just talking about, you know, like, as you guys say, punters, like just, you know, kids at the shows. I'm like talking mm. about friends, like people that, that are in bands or people that, you know, are, are, uh, doing DJ nights or or whatever you know like scenesters so oh, everybody awesome. was talking about your band and I'd heard your name but I was like okay this is this is something to like to keep watch for thank you and, man that's really nice yeah so I, I mean I was I was very aware of you guys you know um, being you know on Warp Tour but we had our own fucking click anyways uh behind our trailer every day like oh, dude, I, yeah. was, I was drunk I was drunk the entire summer so <laughs> Yeah, you guys had it set up with the fake grass and the fucking... Yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys were living. If I... Obviously, we'll never do Warped Tour again, but if I did, I would have been taking a leaf out of your book, I think, with that shit. Definitely. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, man. So, uh, I, I, I mean, I guess, like, I'm trying to segue into talking about this new record, Welcome to the Neighborhood, yeah, which yeah, cool. is... is it's, pro- you know, to be honest, it's the reason I reached out to you to talk to you because so many people, when your record came out, hit me up and was like, you got to get Henry on the show. This new record is amazing. It's such oh, a departure. You know, I really want to hear what he has to say about this, about this, because people seemingly overnight were just like obsessed with this album. 
That's really nice to hear. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, I mean, we've kind of seen that a little bit our end. It was a because it's so different. It did the re, well. The response was was great. Like I can't, I can't. Um, you know, I, I couldn't. We could never have expected it to be that well received. But um, well, were you scared that it was going to be totally the other opposite? Because that, I mean, there's all got to be a fear there. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? Because everyone says, don't they, that like your sophomore albums, like you have your whole life to make your first record, and then you know a year to make your second. Yeah, we were kind of. Uh, but it was weirdly, it was the other way around for us because we, the whole first record, we were so kind of like in our own heads about it. And we're like, oh, you know, we just signed this record label and if it's shit, like they'll just drop us. We're like an international band, you know, like we can't fuck up and people want us to be this pop punk band and all this. Um, right. So we were kind of freaking out about that. And then when we started writing the second album, we kind of just decided what we wanted to do, what kind of band we wanted to be and just got so like involved in the creative process and just kind of were just so enjoying making music that we completely forgot that people actually were going to listen to it. <laughs> and it was only, <laughs> it was only like uh, literally like two weeks before that the albums due to come out, you know, and they were gearing up all the, or I guess just the singles were going to drop. And I was like, oh, fuck, like people might not actually like this shit. <laughs> but, um, but fortunately, it, it, um, oh, you know, it, I haven't heard much backlash at all. But obviously it is like really, really different from our previous stuff. So we were conscious of it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, I mean, that's my next question. Was it a natural progression or did you guys say, okay, we're, we want to make a record like this. We want to make a darker, more gloomy record. Um, or did it just, when you started writing the songs, it just sort of came that direction, like went that direction and you went with it? Kind of both in a way because um, we definitely kind of, because uh, it had been about three years in between writing both records. And in that yeah. time, you know, we kind of all started to kind of share our musical, you know, what we were listening to and go back to what we, we grew up listening to, which was like Deftones and, um, you know, Corn and Nine Inch Nails as a big one and all that kind oh, of yeah. stuff. Um, oh, God, I love Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, I do. My favorite band, yeah. And um, so we kind of went back through that stuff. But then I went back and listened to our first record recently. Well, yeah, fairly recently. And I was like, this sounds nothing like how we play it live. And I realized right, that we've right. sort of uh, been subconsciously kind of changing the sound of those songs live to be heavier and dark sounding and, you know, changing the chords slightly and heavier vocal delivery and all that, all that kind of stuff. So I think yeah. we, we're just gravitating towards making a heavier, sort of darker record. But um, we actually rewrote about two thirds of the album like a month before yeah, we went to right. the studio. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what, um, <coughs> you know, I, I read and it's like, I know you guys did, you guys went over with Mike Sapone um, yeah. in, in America and you guys did some pre-production and you were unhappy with it and scrapped it and did it again. Yeah, more or less. Man. We had like, um, we had, I think we, we demoed about 10 or 11 songs. One of them we recorded yeah. properly, which became like a standalone single we did in between the two. And then uh, we kept, we kept, I'd say a third of those, the stuff that we pre-proed. And then a lot of it we were like, well, should we just keep working at this and improving it? And then we were like, well, no, nah, at its core, it just isn't really that good of a song. You know, you, I feel right. like the best songs you can boil down to just an acoustic guitar and you can just sing it and it should still sure, sound totally. good, yeah. right? And yeah. they were just kind of clunky and, and uh, right. you know, whatever. And, and don't get me wrong, but, Sapone, like, polished those things up from where we walked in with them. But, but still, it was just kind of not, him, yeah. not there, you know? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting though because it's it's kind of like making an entire album and not putting it out. At least you know creatively, right? Oh yeah. Because nobody heard it. Nobody heard that stuff. So in a way, in a way, like 
you guys are sort of skipping a step. It's like it's like if um, and I, I mean, there's no way you could ever do this, but like, let's say a band. Well, maybe you could if you went back and, and and you were like, oh, I want to check out this band's first album, this band I've never heard of or heard of, heard before, and then I'm gonna like skip album two and three and just listen to album four as if that's album number two. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, pretty and, much. And and you know th- those subtle changes that go into a band over several albums or even one album can it can happen. You know, are are normal, but for you guys, it's kind of like. Boom! New band, who dis? You know, like you guys, you guys, because there was a step that you went through that nobody heard those songs. So I, I find that you know kind of interesting too. That 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 could be why. I think you know, you're right. Why I, there's I a change, you know. I didn't think about that, but I think you're absolutely right. Like I think going back and listening to those demos, it probably was somewhere in between the two records. Yeah. Um, right. Right. Yeah. It, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we did what we did, and uh, I think a lot of it was was like we had these influences. And we knew we wanted to kind of put some like industrial sounds and more electronic element in it and explore like flirt with hip hop a little bit. Um, and we were kind of dipping our toe in a little bit. And then Sapone kind of just pushed us in and was like, just fucking do it. If, if you want to, if you want to like, yeah. um, you know, really indulge yourself in these sounds, then just do it. Don't like kind of think about what it means in respect to your previous music. Just make the songs that you want to make. And, uh, and I'm really glad we did. And I'm, and now totally. I just can't wait to get back into the studio and, uh, start writing again like we were already kind of Jeez, sharing yeah. some ideas for some new music so it's all right well it's we won't even talk about we won't even talk about the record it's it's over it's out <laughs> it's, it's out on to the next uh, well you know the, the, you mentioned the, the sophomore slump which uh is something we've talked about in the, on the show like in great depth with yeah. talked with so many artists about it because it's a real thing and uh i always say if you can name a band that put out a you know a bad second album and still made a career out of it Go ahead, because I can't think of one. Yeah, you, you and, still and, that, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny is I think if if I were to, um, you know, write a book on how to make a sophomore album, like, if, you know, let's just say how to, how to make a sophomore album, you know, punk rock band 101, right? Yeah. What would I tell them? And I would, I would definitely not say to do what you did (laughs) and another band that had a very very successful second album uh was brand new with Deja and Tondu and what's interesting about that is that's the same producer Mike Sapone yeah he he recorded Deja and Tondu and he also recorded also recorded your new album he did um was the do you think I mean, even subconsciously, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of, of what he's done and probably part of why you worked with him. Was there, was that, do you think that played into your, either your conscious or unconscious mind at all? That that was a record that, you know, was obviously holds a lot of weight and always will, no matter what, you know, what Jesse Lacey and the allegations and all that. Um, it will always hold weight, just musically. Oh, yeah. Always, uh, yeah, so it's funny because we, you know, we always uh, love brand new music, grew up with that. Uh, and we had this kind of idea of what Sapone was going to be like before we met him because he's, right. uh, he's very private. You know, he, he like, we have the only photo of him with a band on the internet. He allowed us to take a picture with him when we finished oh, recording wow. and put it up. Okay. He, and loads, okay. of, loads of other bands were like hitting us up like, how did you get Sapone to take a photo with you? Uh, but he, he's super secretive. He won't, you know, he, he just likes to kind of keep himself on the, on the down low. Um, but it was, so we thought of him coming, you know, brand new because they're like a very mysterious like band and stuff. And we thought yeah. he'd be this very serious guy. And he's literally, he's, he's fucking awesome, but he's, he's like a cartoon character. He's um he's like he's like your um your like cool uncle or, or like um or I don't know your 
uh, I guess you're like your friend's older brother or something. He's like, um, right, right. he's just this super like Long Island sounding dude um, who just, he's like a mad scientist and he just gets so hyper and excited. And there's one point where uh, in the studio, we were kind of almost set up uh, in different booths all facing into the control room. And he was like this mad conductor and he was trying to explain to us like uh, <laughs> how, how a structure should go and he was like he was running up to the window and like gesticulating at us and he was wicked uh, and he loves uh, iced tea and uh, White Castle and I judge him for that but he's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's a wicked dude um, but it is funny that you know he was nothing like I pictured him but um, when he gets into the nitty gritty and you're like oh yeah this dude made some incredible records and I can see why like he he has such a good ear and he's um, he's just really creative but I think I think we uh, I mean maybe I'm, I'm speaking for him here but I think we kind of found each other at a pretty cool time because I think um, uh, by that point when we started working with him brand new had ended and all that stuff um, but also he'd, yeah. um, he'd obviously done a lot of like you know emo stuff with Taking Back Sunday and um, I guess like bands like McCafferty and the excerpts and stuff um, and we'd obviously always been in this kind of like pop punk, uh, I guess, pigeonhole for to, yeah. to speak. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of came to him and said we wanted to do this totally different thing. And uh, he is a huge Nine Inch Nails fan and he loves like stuff like Aphex Twin and uh, Brian yeah. Eno and all this like crazy synth stuff. And he has all this, this, this synth equipment, analog synth stuff from the 80s and 90s. And, uh, and it was his first, one of the first times he's ever got to just go nuts with it. So like right, he brought right. it all in and I think we both kind of found each other a really cool time because he would just sit, we would just sit there and play with all these, these toys for like hours, you know, it was great. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. That's cool. What's your favorite Nine Inch Nails record? Uh, honestly, it's probably downward spiral. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, uh-huh. I'm really, really into Pretty Hate Machine. Like, I, I fucking yeah. love. It's just like a an anti '80s pop record. I, I, it's probably my. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Pretty Hate Machine. You know, yeah. it's got it's, more it's bangers my favorite. on it. Yeah, it's my favorite. And I remember I heard I heard the record. I'm I'm old, so um, I heard <laughs> the record before Broken came out. Oh, holy shit! Yeah, and. Yeah, and my sister, you know, I, I'm lucky that I have a sister that's seven years older than me that liked awesome music. Cool. So yeah. she got me into so much of this stuff, and I actually had a Nine Inch Nails Pretty Hate Machine shirt that I wore in my fourth grade class picture. Dude, that is that is and, so cool. And they were my yeah, they were my favorite band, and when I was uh, in grade four, and I remember, I <laughs> I remember we. This is so funny, and I haven't. I've never mentioned this and I haven't even thought about it probably since <laughs> it happened, but I think I was in fifth grade and we were like learning how to use computers. And when I, so when I was in fifth grade, how old are you in fifth grade? Like I eight? don't, I, yeah, I don't know. It's Nine? different, different here, but yeah, I guess. No, 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 uh, maybe older, maybe 10, maybe you're like 10. Um, so, so I'm like 10 years old. So this is like 1991. So computers aren't like, we got these like little Mac, whatever, all the nerds will, will be shouting at the radio what, uh, what, they, what kind of Macs they had back then or whatever. But So we're literally just learning how to like just type and print stuff out, you know? And I remember I typed out lyrics for something I could never have. Oh, cool. Uh, which for people that don't know is like a super 
drawn out like ballad intense very song, very yeah. <laughs> very intense song and i remember i wrote it all in uh, lowercase letters because that's the way it was in the liner notes of the pretty hate machine cd yeah. booklet so i wrote it all like that and i i like printed it out and i just was like sitting with my stuff and my teacher found it and like pulled me aside with the principal <laughs> and like asked if i was like no okay way. that's crazy yeah. you yeah, were way and- cooler than i was at 10 that's sick <laughs> that's so cool and then- and then what was funny was when Broken, when Nine Snails Broken came out, which is a very heavy record compared yeah. to Pretty Hate Machine, I was like, because that was right about when I was starting to get into metal and stuff like that. And, it's and, perfect timing. You know, yeah. And I was like, this is crazy. And and yeah, for, for me, I, I'd say at that time they were absolutely my favorite band and Downward Spiral is amazing. I'd say, I, I don't know, ever after Downward Spiral, I think I, I got too punk rock or something for the I band, feel but you. I, feel I you. respect Nine Snails and I'd say as a uh, lyric, lyricist, one of my biggest influences. Yeah, me too, man. Resna's up there. Um, I also, I'm a big fan of like the With Teeth record. Uh, I like the new stuff as well, yeah. but um, that record Year Zero was one of the first examples of like viral marketing. Uh, and, yeah. and I, I read a whole piece on like uh, all the things they did for that and uh, it's super really really cool um, they're just a really well I suppose it's kind of pretty much just Trent and now now Atkins Ross but they're, they're a really really creative uh, group of people and uh, I watched that documentary again recently uh, the what's it called The Defiant Ones did you see that? No, I haven't seen it. No. Oh, mate, you got to see that. It's I, got, I got to. I have to. Yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. There's a whole obviously it's the whole history of both Dr. Dre but also Interscope Records and they signed uh, Nine Inch Nails um, on from uh, Broken onwards, um, and uh, they interviewed Trent Reznor and the, the whole uh, history of, of how he kind of launched Marilyn Manson's career and all that kind of stuff yeah. is super super interesting. Um, yeah, and, that's yeah. funny. I I, uh, I actually didn't know that he had a hand in <laughs> launching Marilyn Manson's career, but I did see uh, I when I was it was 1994. I saw. Um, it was a co-headline show, Soundgarden and Nine Inch Nails, and Yo. Marilyn Manson and Marilyn Manson opened. Oh my god, that's insane! What a bill. Yeah, yeah he um, yeah. he signed Manson to Nothing Records, which is his label imprint. Ah, of, uh, okay. that. Yeah. and he actually produced the, his first, I believe, his first four records, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, I can't believe I didn't know that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Um, huh. You can hear you can hear in like all the instrumentation of the first couple albums that he's just a big Nine Inch Nails fan, like. Oh, um, yeah, no. is, oh sure. absolutely absolutely there there's you can you can hear the similarities um crazy man so yeah in a little while back i'm switching gears a little bit but you said how you know you're kind of on to the next thing and i was reading in a couple of other interviews and stuff you did and you said you said that you thought it was arrogant when bands say you know that they've they've found their sound and yeah. even though in a way you guys have found your sound currently um, it's kind of amazing self-awareness that you have that in like a year and a half, you're going to have to do this all again. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's mad at it. <laughs> you, right? Right? But you're aware of that. And yeah, it's like, yeah, for sure. oh, well, yeah. we, we found our sound. Like, I guess we found our sound, but we found it like now, for now, we've temporarily sort of found its sound. Definitely. I think that's very interesting. Maybe it's optimism because I would hate to think that my second album I ever write uh, is, is, you know, my best. I would, I would want us to, you know, continually improve um, with each record that we write, or well, I guess that's the ideal thing that would happen. But um, but yeah, I think I think like saying you found your sound, I do think it is a bit like oh yeah, you know, like we nailed it. But I, I think oh, we okay. definitely on this record like narrowed it down. You know, we're way closer <laughs> in the ballpark to where we want to be. 
um, I wouldn't say we found it, uh, and I think we're going to keep. It, I think it's all a part of your 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 kind of lifespan as an artist to keep creating and trying different things. Um, maybe maybe you never find sound. Who knows? But uh, I think we're definitely like in the region that we want to be. And uh, I think album three won't be nearly as different. Like it won't be that enormous jump that album was one was to two. I, I wouldn't have thought. But I mean, you know, who knows where we'll be at in in a couple of years. But uh, that would be my best guess. You know? Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe, I mean, I mean, like, what, what do you what do you think? I mean, you, you've I mean, how many records have oh. you put out now? Sorry, I'm I'm not that. Uh, Clue that uh, me. I I forget sometimes too. Five, I think six? we've done we've done eight, eight. Holy shit, that's sick. Yeah. Um. So, like, what do you think is uh, where? Where? What do you think is? Um. Do you, I mean uh, when? Because I, I always think about this, right? You've got eight records, and and you can't exactly say that they're all exactly as good as each other. And obviously, you'll have a personal no. preference for different reasons. Yeah. yeah. But do yeah. you think there's? Has there ever been a record where you've been like? Uh, it wasn't as good as like the last one. Like we'll have to do better on the next one because I obviously I've only done two albums, so it's hard yeah. for me to to get to yeah. that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And absolutely, and I, th- I think every time you make a record, you have to believe in it, and you have to believe that this is the best shit you you're capable of. And yeah. That, and and and, and it, I think for us at least, because we do we we do spend the time and we do put in the work, and I think a lot of bands when they start getting up to record number let's say even you know even five but like once you get to like six seven eight records i think a lot of bands there they become like legacy acts and their their you know best days are so far behind them and they're not even playing some of the new material live that starts happening to bands where i think and and time becomes different people have families people you know people value their time off the road so i think that creatively things get stifled and we're aware of that we're aware of that so every time we do a record a new record it's like okay we got to go harder we got to spend more time on this we got to be you know like so i think that that's important so every every step of the way we've we've done that I don't want to talk too much about myself. This is your interview. But, <laughs> but honestly, though, there has been times where we've made missteps. Like our third record was kind of a misstep. And I think our fifth album maybe was a little bit too. And every time we've done that, we've come back with something that was more ambitious. And then it became, um, for us, more successful. Yeah, uh, yeah. Both to our fans and, and creatively. Um, but, you know when you've been a band as long as we have and put out records every two years you're gonna have some missteps and I think we're we're lucky we haven't had you know too many yeah well dude when I when I was talking to you guys uh, um, in Germany about it and stuff because you know I, I've obviously known Silverstein my whole life of listening to rock um, most of it again I would imagine uh, I'm 25 but uh, when I kind of got yeah. the whole kind of post-hardcore like some fire all that kind of shit Obviously, Silverstein sure. was a huge, huge um, part of that kind of world. Um, but, uh, I mean, not kissing your ass or anything, but I never, ever thought of you guys as, like, an older band. But, like, it's definitely not a legacy band because it still right. seems that you guys are, like, in the throw of releasing good shit. And, and it's not like, oh, play that one song from, right. you know, we only want to hear that one song from album two or whatever. R- you right. definitely seem to, well, still seem to be yeah. a band that's kind of, like, doing new shit and cool shit which is which is really sick thank you man that's nice of you to say yeah i, I mean we, we've tried to i mean we've we've still embraced our past i mean shoot to plug our tour that's come happening later this year we're doing a 15 year anniversary of our first album playing the album yeah, that's, from start that's to finish. so though. we that's still cool, so yeah. we still do stuff like that but then our our latest record dead reflection was like the by far the best 
the most well received record we've ever put out. And to, to uh, with press and with fans and everything. So to do that on album, album number awesome. eight, yeah, it, it's uh, we you know it's it's but we put the work in, you know, and we we I think that yeah. that's the key. Well, I, I totally agree. Like we, um, we wrote for like a whole year for this album. Ironically, then ended up writing most of it in one month. But, uh, but you know, it yeah, took well. us took us that time of, of just of just grinding. And um, uh, because because it's not like one dude with a guitar who kind of writes the songs and then's like, here we go, this is what we're doing. Um, yeah, it's always totally collaborative. All five of us, and it does. I, I'm not sure how you guys write, but it, it takes us like I think. I think for us, it makes us write better songs, but it takes us definitely longer than I can imagine it so, would do. So do you guys, you guys do the old school, like y'all get in a room and you, and you jam? No, we, we do a lot of it on kind of, we all get in the same house and then we kind of do some of it. We'll, we'll like record stuff into Pro Tools. Um, and it, so what we did on this record was like, I would, a, a lot of them I would come with like a vocal hook and a chorus and some lyrics. And I would try and get the best possible, like, catchy chorus that kind of fit this theme that I was going to expand on. Uh, and then we would write that chorus, and then we'd just kind of pass it around. And we end up with, like, three or four song ideas on the go at once. And you've got people in each room, and they're just kind of passing the songs between each other, adding, you know, guitar, and then Jordan put the drums in, and then we'd start to kind of mess with the structure. And I always think of it as almost like a, like a, like a human body, like, start off with a skeleton. Then you know, yeah. put some meat on the bones, put some skin on, and then and then you know that's the whole that's the whole package. But uh, totally, totally, yeah. it's weird though. Like like uh, talking to someone like Vic from Pierce the Veil when they make records, they literally do the entire record with music, and they haven't even thought about the vocals. That's nuts and they just, to me. And they just put and they put the vocals like on after. And he's like, and he, I'm I'm paraphrasing, and I I'd have to go. I did podcast a while back, but. Uh, you know, that's pretty much, he said, you know, if the music is going to work, if the like, you know, then putting vocals over it, vocal melodies over the music, it'll, it will, I know it'll work. And that's how we do it. And I, mean, I was, I was taken, I was taken aback too, because I mean, there's, there's definitely, I think, you know, people always ask like the, the number one thing people ask is what do you write first? The music or the, or the, or the lyrics? And I'm always like, well, the music comes first, but like, you still need to kind of think about the lyrics yeah, exactly. or the vocal melodies, like the vocal parts while you're writing. But to start with a vocal melody and a chorus, it, it doesn't, that doesn't seem to me like that's the skeleton. That seems like that's like maybe the, the organs. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're <laughs> you right. Know? Maybe you're right. Yeah. But it's, it um, is, it's a different, it's a different sort of approach for sure. But some, sometimes though, it is just a riff, like, um, like the, the third, uh, no, second track on the album, we just have this kind of riff and we're like, right, that riff will just run all the What's way through the, the verses. Title? What's the uh, title for flowers, people to... Flowers in Your Dustbin. It's just got yes. that like, dan, 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 and we had that. Um, and then uh, this track, If I Can't Have It, No One Can, I wanted this like kind of trash talk kind of sounding just bass riff, like uh, this track called Exile on Broadway. And I kind of wanted that. But we started off just with this Oh, hello. I'm losing you. Nah. Um, I'm losing you, brother. Oh, Hang on. You there? Oh, you there? Yeah, it just cut out for a second. I yeah, heard yeah, Exile yeah. on Broadway and then it cut out. Yeah, yeah. It, I just wanted this. Uh, there's a track by Trash Talk called Exile on Broadway and it just has this kind of just dirty bass riff all the way through. And I wanted. Working, but we added from there and added from there. Um, so and sometimes I'll, I'll like, you know, the chorus just kind of comes on last. And, and I suppose he's right because sometimes 
it, you just hear a riff and you're like, boom, got a chorus there, easy. Yeah. But um, yeah. I can't imagine like writing a whole record and then putting the vocals on. That's nuts. Because his isn't Pierce Bell's like super catchy and shit, isn't it? So I don't know how. Pierce, um, oh yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, Vic, Vic is amazing, and maybe even subconsciously you don't, you kind of you're still like thinking about the vocals, kind of. But I mean, yeah. it's always kind of like the same. And, and I, I are you, you're a guitar player too, I guess. A little bit. No, I, I can't play guitar actually. Oh, you don't play guitar. Well, no, well, like I, I mean, that's <laughs> okay. But you know what I always like liken it to is you have uh, like a chord progression, you know, like whether yeah. it's a chorus or verse, whatever, and you want to put a lead over it. You can always write a lead over over a chorus. Yeah, I guess. Or, or so, over, yeah. I mean, over a chord progression. So putting vocals over something, it's no different really than just putting a, a lead guitar over something. You know, I, I think it's, I think the key is to not um, clutter the music too much, so you leave room for those vocals. Like, make sure that it, oh yeah. there's not like crazy shit going on all the way through, because then it leaves nowhere for the vocals to sit. But if you just got uh, like just great rhythm guitar and yeah. either put the lead on after, or you're not. I mean, everybody's different, but uh, I've definitely oh, tried totally. to write write to songs where there's so much going on and it's almost distracting, and you can't quite kind of figure out a vocal melody. But maybe that's just me. I don't know. Well that well, that happens for sure especially when you're if you're talking about a, a chorus specifically because what inevitably, inevitably happens is because you don't record the vocals first usually uh you know you'll have some lead guitar over a chorus then it'll come time to put the vocals on and when the thing gets mixed that lead guitar that was so cool that someone worked so hard on is so buried in the mix that you can't even really hear what it's exactly. doing exactly. because you need you, you know because you need the um the vocals to be they're the most important part of a chorus I'd say I mean I think, yeah. I think this is lead singer syndrome but I think that everyone would agree with us <laughs> sure, <laughs> at least sure. in, at least in a chorus that the vocals are the most important thing so, uh, so exactly. yeah I, I think that that's a good point man it's a really good point I mean it's, it's supposed it a lot with us but you'll get to the studio and it'll be that bit that you've been listening to for months you know on the demos and it's the sickest bit but it's just it's detrimental to the song and you just got to kill right. it. We call it, we call it like killing your babies. Cause you, it's, you know, it's, oh, your, nice. it's your bit. It's your, <laughs> the, song, the song parts your baby. I mean, so, you know, it's your, dark, your, you bring, you bring the, the, that part to the table and you love it and you're like, Oh, <laughs> you're killing my lead. You're killing my baby. And you're like, it's gotta, it's gotta go. It's messing with the song. But, um, uh, if it's for the, you know, it's for the greater good, isn't it? Absolutely, man. Well, hey, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I mean, you have a show tonight in Glasgow, Scotland. Drink some scotch for me. Yeah. I'm a big scotch fan. Yeah. Uh, gonna, so, I, 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 go ahead. I was going to say I'm going to drink a lot of Iron Brew if you ever had that. It's the best shit in the world. Iron Brew? No, I don't even know what you it is. You never tried that? I don't oh, think, dude, you got it. What is it? Is it's it like a soda. No, it's a soda, but it's just like, it, it's fucking amazing. Oh, it's the best. It's my favorite soda in the world. It's like orange, and I can't describe what it tastes like. It's kind of like orange soda, but more kind of tangy I don't know I don't know but it's like oh. they have like shelves of it in the supermarkets here I can't believe I've never heard is, is it is it uh it's not alcoholic no 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 oh it's just a regular like yeah, a it's pop, just a soda yeah. call them. pop we yeah. call them pop oh, Canadian. well where Pops, I live yeah. we call them pop yeah exactly uh well dude um I don't want to take too much time I got a couple fan questions if you don't mind yeah of course and I'll let All you right. go is that cool absolutely um, let me see what we didn't uh, already cover here uh this is from Neil Anglin uh he's a, a big fan of the show uh he he says um uh, others are consistently creating meaningful discussions with their. Oh shit! What am, I'm reading. I'm reading from Facebook. Sorry. He says. Um, <laughs> he says. Where does he see the band in regards to the recent surge of UK bands breaking out? Does he think they're better than the rest, or is there a band that stands out 
from the group to him as well as Boston Manor? I don't know. Um, like we we um, were lucky to kind of be a British band at the time that we are because I feel like yeah. uh, there was a whole crop of really good British bands that uh, about maybe five years before us that never really broke, bro- at least broke into kind of North America. And I think it just was like a bad timing thing. But, um, yeah. you know, bands like, uh, I, I definitely bands like Neck Deep um, kind of paved the way uh, in terms of British bands, I think, and shone a bit of the limelight on us. So there's a bunch of British bands that are, that are killing it right now. Um, you know, like uh, Trash Boat, who I know you guys know, yeah. are, are doing, uh, they just well. started touring America and they're doing awesome stuff. And um, there's, there's a whole host. Uh, I think that I think the consistent, the, the main thing is going to be, um, it, it, it's like as long as bands keep um, kind of pushing the envelope and pushing the boundaries, um, uh, progressing and keep pushing through because i think um particularly with some of the bands like uh like movements who are who are blowing up right now like they're they're bringing something to the table that um you know you don't hear a lot at the moment it's 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 definitely new to the listeners that um are you know they're they're fans and stuff um and that's why part part of the reason that they're doing so great is because they're you know they're bringing something fresh and that's the main thing i just uh and maybe it's just from on a personal level but i just really don't like when you know that something's being rehashed at you. So I think those bands that are particularly British bands, because we have to compete with America, which is hard because it's way more expensive to tour America. We've got to get <laughs> over there and we have to pay like so much money for visas and stuff. And it's, it's yeah. you know, it's, it's tough. So you've got to work pretty hard to, to break America as a British band. Um, so hard work's a big one, but I think uh, bands that just keep um, doing cool, to be honest, doing cool shit are the British bands that you're going to see um, kind of still doing shit in the next you know, two, three years' time. There you go. Thank you for the answer. And uh, last yeah. question here from Derek James. What inspired the song Halo? Halo. Um, okay, so it's, it's a song. It's, it's a, basically it's a, just a addiction, song right? about... Yeah, it's just about addiction, uh, and I use the kind of metaphors of, of heroin addiction because one, kind of strong injury, but two, because it is indicative of a problem that Blackpool has, where I'm from. You know, there's a lot, oh, of, yeah. a lot. It's, I think at, at one point it was the heroin capital of, of, of England, um, so it, it definitely had those problems. But um, I just kind of it, it's, it's supposed to be indicative of, of addiction as a whole. Um, you know, whether that is a toxic relationship, whether it is you know addiction to um, even social media, anything. You know, right. I think I think that's rife in 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 society in all forms. So uh, it is contrary to popular belief. I have not had a problem with heroin. Um, <laughs> I just use that as a as a um, you know uh, I, I, I guess a metaphor or a simile, whichever one of the two that is. <laughs> Yeah, one or the other. Who knows? Who, one who of those things, yeah. I, <laughs> I, was, I was too busy busy writing Nine Inch Nails uh, lyrics on my notebook to, re- to remember the differences Fuck between yeah. the simile Fuck and yeah, the metaphor. Right. <laughs> uh, no, that's great, man. Thank you so much. So um, tell the people what you got coming up. Obviously, uh, I'm, this is pro- probably by the time this comes out, your UK tour will be done. But you got yeah. some American dates with real friends coming up. And then what we else? We do. Yeah, we got some the, the full US with real friends. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, playing a lot, of, lot of stuff off the new album. Then we go straight from there. Don't even go home. Uh, we go to Japan to do some headline oh, tours, sick. shows in Japan. Very I've never sick. been there before, so I'm, I'm buzzing. Oh, for that. you're going to love it. You're going to love it. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, so we're going to do that. And then we go straight from there to do uh, Good Things Festival in um Australia. Australia, and we've yeah. never been there either. So uh, it's, it's oh, just, beautiful! This is great. Yeah, we're this really is great. Excited. You guys have lots of cool, um, you know, notches on the belt to. Uh, to yeah, definitely. Punch. I can't wait. Yes. We're very, we're very lucky. 
Um, Great. And that takes us up to Christmas pretty much. Yeah, and any plans for next year? I'm sure there are, but you can't talk about them? Yeah, yeah. So we're doing a big um, uh, European tour in February. The, uh, I think it's been kind of floating around, um, but they'll, uh, I, they're, they're kind of fixing some details of that and it's going to get, I guess, Okay, uh, so that announced. announced soon, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't, I, I'm not still, still sure what's going on with that, but we're doing that in February. That's a full uh, Europe run, and I think there's a couple of UK shows on that. Uh, and then we do have uh, some more plans, but obviously, like, you yeah. know, Nothing announced yet, uh, so stay yeah. tuned and keep your eyes peeled because I'm sure in the next sort of month or two, more of those uh, more of those tours will get announced. But it's, uh, we're, we're going to be busy until this time next year, I think. Well, dude, uh, thank you, man, Henry. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, on a busy show day to do this. No, it was a, uh, it was a pleasure. The- thank you for the you know the great conversation, Shane. I appreciate it. Yes, I, and I appreciate that you spelled neighborhood correctly. Hey, <laughs> uh, obviously, if you didn't, you got, you would have got the most backlash ever from. Uh, you know, <laughs> Yeah, we had to tell, uh, I said to Pjorn, I was like, right, make sure that yes. you just spell it right, please, because we'll look like idiots yes. otherwise. Someone's going to take autocorrect and they're going to, that stupid red line's going to go under. And then, you know, you're going to be like, that's not the way you spell neighborhood. Exactly. And then the press release is going to go out. It's going to be a mess. I was legit, like, worrying about that at one point. I, I had to really, like, make it clear. I was like, I know it doesn't seem important, but, like, it is to us. Like, please make sure it's spelled uh, the UK way um, I guess, I, and um, Canadian way. Yes, yeah, no, we we're with you guys. We, uh, we love, we love, we love you. you and know? God save the queen. <laughs> there you go. We st- we got the queen on our money. We know what's up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah monarchy yeah. and stuff. Isn't it weird that? Isn't it weird that one day? Maybe I mean you're English, but isn't it weird that one day? I I hope it's not too soon, but you know how old's the queen? Oh, like a she's million gonna die, years old, yeah, and then she's... they're gonna start putting Prince King Charles on the money. Yeah, that's gonna um, be so weird is, to think yeah. about that. I don't want to see him on my money. Like the I, the Queen's an endearing figure. Uh, just Charles's muggle over my like wallet. I'm not. I'm not down for that. I, I think, know, um, but, yeah. but that's what's going to happen, right? It is, isn't it? It is, and we'll have to change the song as well. Our national anthem. You got to change one word. I mean, it's only one word, but I've been singing "God Save the Queen" all my life. Now I've got to sing "God Save the King." <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, that just, I guess that happens. Yeah, that's so fucking weird. <laughs> oh, well, hey. Oh, well, All right, there you man. go. Well, well, dude, I'll let you go, man. Thank you so much. Um, l- let me ask you something, though, real quick. I always play music at the end of the show. What song do you want people to hear from uh, from the new record? Oh, from the new record? Um, uh, I guess a song that we haven't done on singles. So try a Funeral Party, I reckon. Funeral Party. That sounds uplifting. <laughs> Let's, uh, here it is. Funeral Party by Boston Manor on Lee Singer Syndrome. Thank you, Henry. All the best, Cheers, man. mate. Thanks very much.
So there's Funeral Party by Boston Manor, uh, one of many of great song on their new album. Be sure to check out the whole thing. It is on the streaming services. And of course, if you want to really go nuts, there's vinyl. There's probably even cassette tapes, which is crazy that that's back, right? Cassette tapes. Shout out to my buddy Brian for sending me some Lagwagon merch. I'm currently rocking a shirt right now. He even sent me Lagwagon's Hoss on cassette, which, I mean, I don't know if I'm ever going to actually listen to it, to be honest with you, but I guess it's cool. I've got it on vinyl. I've got it on CD. So now I have it on cassette to complete the trifecta. Hey, next week, we will be back, as always, with some really great episodes uh, of, of some, you know, we have a great mix of new bands, medium-length <laughs> bands, I don't know how to even word that, and of course, some all-time greats, as always, on the show. I love it. Please, if you like the show, help spread the word, tell a friend, tell a loved one, write a review on iTunes, do what you want, do what you do what you gotta do to help me out and help this thing going, so we can get to, how many episodes should we do? I mean, I'm at 150. I think I could easily get this thing up to a solid quadruple digits. It'll take me a while. That's many years. But I love this thing, and I don't think I'm ever going to run out of lead singers. If I do, I'll just come back around and talk to them all again. Anyways, thanks so much for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Peace and love.